This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good afternoon and welcome to the all-new Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. It is now 12.06pm, January the 2nd. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone, and happy 2024. Today, we are going to be exploring the Malaysian economy and what to expect in 2024. Last week, DOSM, or the Department of Statistics Malaysia, reported that the Malaysian economy saw positive growth during the first three quarters of 2023 and showed positive signs in October led by the industrial production and retail sales data, adding that consistent performance had contributed to just to a 3.9% growth in the economy for the first nine months of 2023. Some data points that were highlighted by Chief Statistician uh, in the Malaysian Economics Statistics Review released last Friday include that the Malaysian IPI or the Industrial Production Index grew around 2.7% year on year in October, showing a substantial improvement from the preceding month's negative 0.5% uh, growth. Uh, this was marked by significant upswings in May from predominantly driven by robust performance in the mining sector. On trade, uh, Malaysia's total trade contracted, contracted about 2.4% year-on-year to 239.5 billion ringgit into October 2023, where exports saw a decline of 4.4% and imports experienced a marginal decrease of 0.2%. The trade surplus stood at around 12.9 billion ringgit, reflecting a 30% decrease from the previous year. Now, we're going to be diving into much more detail in, the, in terms of the Malaysian economy, a review of 2023 and what to expect in 2024. If you have any thoughts, uh, you can always WhatsApp us uh, to our U-Mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Or you can always tweet us at BFM Radio. So as I mentioned today on Enterprise Explorers, we are exploring the Malaysian economy with Dr. Uh, with Dr. Muhammad Afsar Nizam, Abdul Rashid, Chief Economist at Bank Muhammad Malaysia, Berhad. We will review the economic performance in 2023, what worked and what didn't, and look ahead to what is expected to drive growth this year. Isam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rajin. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you here in the studio with us. I know you're a, you've been on the guest on Morning Run, uh, always over on the phone. Thank you for making the time to join us in the studio today. Sure. Now, Isam, before we get into 2024, let's talk about 2023. Um, what do you expect the full year GDP growth to be for 2024? Cause, uh, 2023, sorry, because as we just heard, it, uh, right. the first nine months was around, uh, what was it, 3.9%. Yeah, I think uh, we should be able to clock in around 3.9% to 4% growth. Mm. Uh, as for our own forecast, we are looking at 3.8%. Perhaps we are a little bit of, uh, on the pessimistic side <laughs> <laughs> because um, our premise is that um, our consumers is likely to be more cautious in the spending. Mm. So that could result in uh, um, in a kind of a subpar kind of growth for private consumptions. But uh, at the end of the day, I think we should be able to grow um, around 3.9% to 4% for 2023. And what are the, I guess, what were the main, uh, the key drivers for, uh, and main laggards for the economy last year? Yeah, apart from consumers being very cautious in the spending, I mean, uh, obviously the uh, net exports, which means uh, the uh, the external demand. If you look at the third quarter numbers, our r- result came in about 3.3%, mm. but the net export actually saw a massive contraction, about 22.7%. 
that really shows that the severity of the weakening of the external demand to mm. Malaysian economy. We are so small, but we are so open in terms of the impact from the global uh, gyrations. Yeah. And exports, obviously, a key part, particularly for our manufacturing right. sector. Is there uh, any additional insights into what led to that contraction in the in the export side of things? Well, I think I must say uh, the electronics and electrical mm. segments that accounts about 37, 37%, 37% of our total export and manufacturing in general accounts about 85% of our uh, total export for the whole year. So uh, usually manufacturing is the main uh, channels for uh, weakening external demand to be manifested. And we saw that happening. Uh, if you see the uh, total exports numbers for the first 11 months is about 7.8% contractions. So uh, that really has taken a toll in our overall performance for our GDP. Obviously, E&E was one of those sectors that saw a great boom during the pandemic due mm-hmm. to high demand, among other things. Uh, the semiconductors seem to have peaked, although AI and ChatGPT seem to have right. kind of reawakened it. Um, well, well, I guess, should we be concerned that E&E has come down in terms of, or is this just like a, a correction? Well, not really. I think for 2024, there's a lot of expectations mm. the semiconductor will make a turnaround. If you look at the uh, semiconductor trade statistics uh, forecast for 2024, they are looking at uh, 13.1% growth for global semiconductor sales. This is a, a positive revision from the previous forecast. They, previously, they were looking at, uh, if I'm not mistaken, about 10%, 11% growth for 2024. Mm-hmm. But the latest forecast, they are looking at 13.1%. Wow. So given that our exports, especially for our semiconductor-related exports, typically has a very strong correlation with the global semiconductor sales. So I think uh, next year we should be able to see some positive numbers coming out from the uh, E&E uh, segments. So 2024 could be a, looks to be a, is expected to be a right. good year That's for quite common. Yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, there's a lot of buzz around it, right? Because at the end of the day, we're going to need more chips in terms of, uh, because of the way AI is rising. True. But again, uh, better not be too overly mm. ambitious or overly expecting of things. Um, now, while this, while the the talk about the pandemic is not something that is so active in our conversation, um, I wonder if the Malaysian economy is still feeling any residual impact from the pandemic, and if so, could you elaborate on any you know possible economic scarring that we may still need to address from that? Well, if you look at the labour markets, um, the what you call that. Um, own account workers is on the rise. And I think by extension, uh, those who are engaged in the gig employment is also rising. I'm not sure this is whether it's, this is a scar or a new landscape that is emerging. But I believe this is this could be a new new trend, which is something that the businesses need to be cognizant of, mm. especially on how they want to procure new recruits at the same time, these youngsters, you know, they have preference to work in this uh, gig segment, gig employment segment. So that could pose a great challenge, I would say. But in, in a nutshell, I think uh, the the pandemic sort of uh, uh, gives us a sense of a new worldview in terms of how we should approach, in terms of how we would define productivity in a greater sense. Yeah. 
And uh, before we go into a few messages, Anisam, talk to us a little bit about what are your expectations for Malaysia's GDP growth in 2024? Okay, we are looking at uh, 4.3% growth. Um, I think both engines, the domestic and also external sector, would will, will contribute positively to our economy next this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but bear in mind, I think some policy changes uh, like subsidy rationalization could have some uh, knee-jerk reactions in terms of how people would react to that. So I think we are taking a, a very conservative approach lah, uh, in terms of how growth could actually pan out for whole year of 2024. And after the break, we'll talk a little bit further in terms of what's driving or what could be the key laggards in terms of GDP growth in 2024. Folks, today on Enterprise, on the all-new Enterprise Explores, we're exploring the Malaysian economy and what to expect in 2024. Uh, today, we've been speaking with Dr. Muhammad Afzanizam, Abdul Rashid, Chief Economist at Bank Muamalat, Malaysia Berhad, about what well, we saw in 2023 and what to expect in 2024. I'm Roshan Kanisin. This is Enterprise Explores, the show that ex- helps you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. And we'll be back in just a few minutes here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Begin Free Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, welcome to the all-new Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today, Enterprise Explores the Malaysian economy and what to expect in 2024 with Dr. Mohamed Afsar Nizam Abdul Rashid, the Chief Economist at Bank Muamalat Malaysia. Berhad. We're going to be reviewing, we reviewed earlier the economic performance in 2023 and what to expect and as well what worked and what didn't and look ahead to what is expected to drive growth in 2024. Uh, Nizam, earlier I think your expectations for full growth, full year growth for 2023 mm-hmm. were about 3.8% for the in terms of the bank but overall expecting about 39 to 4% mm-hmm. for 2023 yeah, right. and in 2024 you're looking at 4.3% growth, contingent of course on mm-hmm. certain uh, macro things like policy, sure. uh, policy see risks such as subsidization, uh, subsidy rationalization, mm-hmm. among other things. Um, what do you expect to be the main drivers for growth in 2024? Well, obviously, uh, it will be um, domestically driven mm-hmm. um, because we are expecting the labour market will continue to be full employment and therefore we should be able to clock in kind of a, a decent kind of a consumer spending growth for, for this year. And not to mention also the expected improvement from the net exports that could also help. But uh, if I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think uh, the main worry on our side, for me especially, is the U.S. economy. Mm. Um, for me, when I look at the, the bond market, especially the U.S. treasury markets, they continue to exhibit this, uh, what we call that, the uh, uh, yield curve inversion. Mm-hmm. It has been happening for quite some time. And typically, uh, yield curve inversion has been always being associated with a good predictor for U.S. recession. And given that Malaysia economic growth tend to move along with the U.S. GDP with correlation of around 70% to 80%. Wow. So, yeah, that's one of the main uh, concerns la, for me. But um, but so far, the guidance from the Fed is that they might be able to <laughs> sort of uh, uh, engineer this uh, soft landing. La. I mean, yeah. that's that, yeah, that seems to be a continuous case and the labor market is still quite strong in the right, US. Right. Uh, people are really la- looking towards every word Jerome Powell is uttering <laughs> in terms of how many rate, hi- yes. uh, rate cuts sorry, we're going to get in 2024. Yep. Uh, 
uh, but for those who may not be as uh, may not be aware, uh, may not be may not understand why we are. We look towards the US economy. Mm. Talk to us a little bit about the Im- impacts, right? Because the US economy is the biggest consumer. If they start to slow down, what are the, I guess, the spillover effects of that? Yeah, as you said, I mean, the US economy is very consumer-driven. 70% of the economy is formed by uh, private consumptions. And not to not just from trade and investment perspective, but also the capital markets perspective. Mm. If you look at our ringgit, is so closely correlated with the US dollar index. And, uh, you know, if you look at the bond markets, our MGS yields are closely tracked with the, the US Treasury yields bonds. And, of course, the uh, equities market also uh, kind of demonstrating the same uh, or similar pattern, pattern in that sense. So it, it very um, encapsulating various angle, not mm. just the real economy, but also the capital markets. So I think that's why uh, the US economy plays a, a prominent role in that sense. And how uh, could you maybe get into how big, uh, how much a factor the other economies are? Because you know, there's a lot of talk over the BRICS and how mm-hmm. they're trying to be a their own force, right. economic force. Talk to us about how important other markets are, other geographies are. Sure, I think I think my my sense is that it stems from the problem of the over reliance of US dollar, mm. even though you are, you know, trading among yourself, but. In terms of the trade settlement, we'll be using US dollar. And that comes with a cost, right? I mean, obviously, uh, you need to hedge your exposure. Hedging is, to me, is like insurance. So it's a cost to a business. And not to mention also the currency market is so volatile. So the fluctuation is very big for a given day. So I think uh, that uh, on that note, perhaps there are <clears throat> efforts to address those problems. So I think that's where the BRICS come in handy la, in terms of... Uh, looking at how to address them holistically. Yeah, because yeah, they are looking at some interesting things and in terms of non-US dollar settlement mm-hmm. among other things. Right. Um, and uh, that's something to, I'm sure it's going to be a key theme to watch out for in 2024. Right. Other things to watch out for, uh, Nizam, there were various government plans and blueprints launched in 2023. Many names that came up, including the Madani Economic Framework, of course, the 12th Malaysia Plan, the National Energy Transitions Roadmap, and the New Industrial Master Plan, among others, right? So it must have been a busy year for you also in terms of keeping track of who's doing what and what to expect. Talk to us about how material you expect these different blueprints and master plans to have an impact on GDP growth this year or in the longer term. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think the government has actually, actually, uh, I mean, the parliaments actually uh, passed the uh, uh, Public Finance and Fiscal Responsibility Mm -hmm. Act. For me, that's a precursor for their move to rationalize the subsidies because they need to adhere all those parameters like, you know, fiscal deficit has to be lower than 3% of GDP and the debt debt has to be 60% of GDP. So, um, and given this uh, national energy transition roadmaps towards renewable energy, a new industrial master plan. uh, So I think last year, 2020, was a year of planning. So this year onwards is about executing and uh, we'll be able, hopefully we'll be able to see some positive outcomes. And bear in mind, all these changes is mm. not easy, obviously. Yeah, these are <laughs> yeah, big things. Right. I mean, especially on subsidy, on fuel, for instance, is very um, sensitive, sensitive yeah, to say know? the least. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, if you look at the consumer price index, how it comes for in terms of changes of the fuel price is quite significant. Mm. But this is something that we need to do 
which I think uh, the government needs to tell to the public the rationale and uh, what's the end game they want to achieve at the end of the day. So it's about the communication strategy and the execution part. Yeah. Uh, which of the government, obviously subsidy uh, rationalization is a key thing that you're watching. Mm. Other than that, are there any other government plans or programs that you are keeping an eye on in terms of its ability to move the Malaysian economy forward? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, obviously is the renewable energy because mm-hmm. that, to me, that comes along with the uh, subsidy, a uh, fuel subsidy rationalization. To me, when when you reduce the subsidies, that will give the incentives for the economic agents that includes the households, the businesses to transition towards renewable energy. That includes uh, using the you know electric vehicles. So I think uh, uh, the, the the changes is just nice. I mean, we need to ensure that uh, we need to um, be able to reduce our carbon footprint and the reduction in subsidies will be able to uh, set the right uh, targets, the right mindset among our society. So the transition hopefully can be done almost seamlessly. Mm. Now, uh, as mentioned earlier, f- expecting 4.3% growth in 2024. What sectors do you foresee leading Malaysia's economic growth this year? Uh, I think uh, number one would be, uh, I would say all sectors expected mm. to do well uh, this year, especially the services sector, the, especially construction, I would say, because of the anticipation of higher allocation for development expenditure. And I think there will be more uh, infrastructures project will be rolled out. I mean, the government has been saying about to you know, they've been saying about high speed rail uh, mm. for GB and Singapore. So I think that could actually, if it if that materialised, that could provide some excitement to the construction <laughs> sector. But, uh, but beyond that, I think, uh, like I said, the the expectation of uh, improvement in the manufacturing sector, uh, especially the semiconductor, would actually help to uh, boost up our manufacturing output uh, in 2024. Uh, and how much does it all differ from 2023, I guess? Uh, I think in 2023, uh, or even in 2022, we were so uh, um, fixated with the uh, monet- monetary tightening mm-hmm. by the major central banks. That includes us as well. I mean, um, the US uh, Fed has actually raised their interest rates from 0.25% <laughs> to 5.5%. What a roller matter, coaster. Right, in a matter of less than a year. And other major central banks also uh, adopting the similar approach. And that includes us as well. But at least in our case, for Bank Negara, the, the, the changes is very timid and it's not so drastic. So, But the, 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 the main idea was that um, the, there was a tight monetary conditions in the past two years. So that was uh, sort of affect how the businesses would be operating, especially on managing their cost of funds. So that create the the certain uh, behavior. Lah. People will be more pessimistic, and this is being reflected in the global purchasing management index for the manufacturing se- uh, sector, especially. They have been below 50 points, I think, for 16 months consecutively. Mm. Mm. So I mean, manufacturing sector has been very very pessimistic line in that sense. Yeah, and with the cost of funds increasing, then your your appetite, I guess, to right. borrow, to invest, kind of diminishes a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that will be uh, key to watch. And it's something that we're going to talk about a little later as well in terms of, you know, uh, policy, uh, interest rate expectations, among other things. Um, but before we go into a few messages, uh, uh, Nizam, what role do you expect consumer spending to play in economic growth uh, this year versus last year? Well, I think uh, the same mantra. I think they will be <laughs> cautious. 
<laughs> Definitely, because we, we see that the cost of living is is continue to rise. Mm. It's a matter of the degree of the appreciation. But so far, if you look at the inflation rate, it has come down. But it doesn't mean that cost yeah. of living has come down. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, just because it's slowing down doesn't right. mean that prices have come down. Yeah, right? prices are very at elevated levels here. Yeah. Mm. So what are your, I guess, general expectations for consumer spending this year? They will continue to remain cautious and uh, they, to mean, I, I would expect them to be more uh, vigilant in their spending pattern. Yeah. So don't depend on consumer spending for right. growth if that's what you're looking at yes, this year, yes. which could be a key thing for the retail sector uh, to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Nizam, we're going to go into a few messages. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about key risks to watch out for in 2024, including geopolitical tensions, uh, interest rate expectations, as well as uh, US dollar strength. Folks, today on Enterprise Explores, we've been talking about the Malaysian economy and what to expect in 2024 with Dr. Mohamed Afzal Nizam Abdul Rashid, Chief Economist at Bank Muamala Malaysia Berhad. Uh, up next, we'll talk about all that uh, geopolitical tensions to US dollar strength and higher for longer, among other things. Uh, You're listening, you're now listening to Enterprise Explores, the show that explores the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. I'm Roshan Karnison. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Books, figurines, movies. BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, that was Arcade Fire with Everything Now. And you're now listening to the all-new Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today, Enterprise Explores the Malaysian economy with Dr. Mohamed Afzal Nizam Abdul Rashid, Chief Economist at Bank Mohamala Malaysia Berhad. We're talking, we were reviewing the uh, Malaysia's economic performance in 2023 from what worked and what didn't. And now we've been looking at the 2024 economy and what to expect. Earlier, uh, Izam, you gave us, uh, mm. uh, you talked about how uh, you're expecting 4.3% growth in 2024 and some of the key drivers for that, including uh, the uh, manufacturing uh, and um, what was the other thing you mentioned? Uh, services and construction. S- construction yeah. were the two key highlights from that. e expected to grow mm. on the back of semicons, on the back right. of uh, all that excitement in the space. Um that said, though, there are always going to be risks to any, I guess, expectation. And looking outward uh, from the Israel-Hamas war to do geopolitical rivalry within the US and China, there are multiple global and geopolitical risks and ch- tensions out there that could impact the Malaysian economy. And earlier you talked about how, although small in economy, we are sensitive to what happens on yep. a global scale. Talk to us about key risks that you're watching out for in 2024. Well, I think, again, the key risk for this year is the Fed fund rates. Mm. I mean, the interest in the US. In in December, when they meet up for for their meeting, for, for the FOMC meeting, their, their staff actually indicated that the Fed fund rate will actually to fall around 4.6% mm. in 2024. And in 2025, it will be around 3.6%. In 2026, it's going to be 2.9%. So essentially, it's about when is it that the Fed will start to cut rates. Mm. I think that's the main risk now. Uh, because uh, There's been um, tug of war, I would say. Some camps will <laughs> believe that the, the, the Fed will actually maintain their rates and, and you know stay there for longer. And there are also uh, growing uh, expectations that the Fed could actually cut their rates quite significantly this year. So whenever the Fed cut rates, it means that the economy needs help. Mm. 
So essentially, that's where uh, the concern over potential risk of a recession in the US comes to, to play. Yeah, I think I think people are watching about the, the health of the US economy at the moment. At the moment, it's very robust. If you look at the unemployment rate, continue to hover below 4%. The non-farm payrolls, although slightly uh, disappointing in terms of the expectation, but still uh, in a healthy range. But the uh, labor market tends to be, you know, uh, a lagging indicator. And therefore, we, will sh- we shall see how the financial markets try to, you know, give the signals to the to the economy, to the to the markets. And so far, I would, <laughs> I would play, I would place a um, huge weight on the um, bond markets. And you can see that the uh, uh, the bond yield has t- started to come down quite significantly. For instance, the ten-year yield for the U.S. Treasury yields, um, I think, at one point last year, it hit about five percent. Mm-hmm. Now, is it is it is hovering around three point eight percent. So it goes to show that there was there's a sharp decline in bond yields. So it means that the bond markets players is expecting rates to come down. Yeah. Right, and, and what does that tell us? I guess about you know what to expect in terms of business and economics. So again, I think uh, business will be will remain cautious about uh, the health of the economy of the especially in the US and of course in China. Uh, people are b- worry about the state of the economy, especially in relation to the property sector, mm. but. Uh, again, China is different story, lah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they have the the um, means and ways to 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 prop up the economy. But again, uh, I think people uh, pay pay uh, close attention about the uh, U.S. economy and how the Fed will actually react upon the incoming data going forward. Uh, and. Uh, clearly, interest rates are going to be off. Fed, uh, the Fed funds rate is going to be a key, a key thing in 2024. Um, how does the higher for longer narrative in terms of US interest rates factor into all this? Right, because why is it a concern? Um, and uh, I guess because there is, as you mentioned, two camps to all this. Mm-hmm. I think the the main worry is on in, on inflation because inflation seems to be you know quite sticky. Uh, it, been, it has been taking a while to hit the 2% targets. Mm-hmm. So you you will often hear that some of the Fed members uh, prefer that the Fed should remain tight in their monetary stance so that they will achieve their targets. But there's also concern over the, the health of the economy because we are seeing some signs like, you know, uh, the credit market has been tight and it resulted in the slower loan growth in the US. So uh, therefore, I think um, there is um, justifications for the Fed to intervene so that they would be able to achieve what they call it as a soft landing in terms of their growth. Um, speaking of interest rates, some are anticipating, as we mentioned, interest rate cuts in major advanced economies and regional peers this year. Um, what are we expecting? What are you expecting in terms of uh, our internal rate here in Malaysia, the mm-hmm. OPR? Well, I think um, when the Ben Nagara raised their interest rates from 1.75 to 3%, it means that the Ben Nagara has the policy space to react should there would be uh, a shock in the economy. So I think the policymakers will play, pay a close attention about the incoming data, especially in the US and China, and how would that translate into our own economy, uh, especially on, on uh, the key sectors. If there is a science that stress that is coming, then I think uh, the Bandagaro has the means to actually, you know, uh, use some some the space, some of the space to to prop up the economy by way of you know reducing the opioid. If there if, if there is a need to do that, 
And all this, at the end of the day, governments or uh, central banks cut interest rates to help stimulate the economy. As you mm. mentioned earlier, it's yeah. when there are signs of uh, concerns over the economy right. because lower rates, more borrowing, more right. spending, right? Yeah. That's the theory behind it. Yeah, right? that's the, the common uh, way of looking at it. Yeah. Uh, how does all this factor into the currency situation, right? the strength of the Malaysian ringgit, particularly versus the dollar, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of Malaysians right. would like to see this uh, change, uh, given especially last year was a particularly uh, bad year in this mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, I think uh, um, when, when we talk about ringgit, the trends and whatnot, I think um, US dollar will continue to remain the key driver for our ringgit uh, fluctuations. And when, when we do our own studies, we can see the contribution from the US dollar index, D, the DXY, is very uh, prominent. So when there is uh, uh, expectations that the, the Fed would actually cut rates at some point, that has really boosted up mm. the value of our ringgit. And you can see the the, the you know, corresponding decline in the uh, US dollar index. So that's the main view. But beyond US dollar, uh, we also noticed that the role that is played by the fund flows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see that the ownership in foreign, uh, foreign ownership in our equities, foreign ownership in our MGS is quite low. That also uh, play a role as well in terms of determining the value of our ringgit. So it means also there is a need to uh, exhibit uh, uh, confidence or, or uh, the seriousness of the government to reform, so that you know it will create some some excitement towards our economy. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess underpinning all this is that this is a demand supply equation, exactly. right? So yeah. if people are buying Malaysian uh, equity market, they're buying the MGS. Mm. That means you're buying Malaysian ringgit and right. selling another currency to do so, increasing demand mm. and in theory should yeah. be elevating the the strength of the ringgit. Bring it through. I mean, if you look at our equities market, the valuation is quite low. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, the PE multiple is about fifteen times as opposed to the uh, average of 17 times. If, if, if there is a mean reversion, meaning your PE ratio goes, goes back to its mean, I think uh, the KLC could actually easily could be hovering around 1,600 to, to 1,700. That could actually help uh, improve our ringgit. Yeah, and I think that this is something that we've been also... It's an, I mean, an expectation yeah. for a few years, right? There's a narrative that the most unloved market, yeah. and, you know, on from a fundamental perspective, things are looking good or there should be some kind of yeah. mean reversion, but it's always this whether there's this policy overhang and, yeah. and, inter, and uh, uh, the, the, all the political instability. So let's hope, you yep. know, things remain stable and uh, we can move forward. Yeah. Um, uh, Nizam, to wrap up this conversation today, uh, in summary, what are the key economic trends or insights perhaps that businesses or the business community should hold close in mind this year in 2024? Well, I will Pay a close attention to the bond market because that's where you can see how the rates will go. And then the second would be in terms of the business sentiment. You should be looking at the uh, purchasing managers index. For US, you should look at the uh, ISM index for the manufacturing sector. And of course, the equities market. But I think uh, generally, people are a bit cautious about this year mm. uh, because we are... Uh, uh, contemplating whether uh, the risk of recession in the US is going to materialize or otherwise. I think that's the main uh, issues that will be you know, affecting the market sentiments. Lah. See, still the key thing to watch out for yeah. uh, in 2024, something right. to be watching out for 2023, yeah. still uh, pending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anisam, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah. Thank you Likewise. so much for your time. Most welcome.
Folks, I was speaking with Dr. Uh, Dr. Mohammad Afzal Nizam Abdul Rashid, Chief Economist at Bank Mohammad Malaysia Berhad. And this is the all new Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line every weekday at 12 p.m. If you miss any part of this conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast players. Just look up Enterprise Explores. Uh, or if you were following Enterprise BizBytes from before, you should have already uh, automatically followed this. Uh, looking ahead, we've got the Breakfast Grill replay after the 1pm news bulletin. BSN, or Bank Simpala National, was born from an Act of Parliament in 1974 to replace the Post Office Savings Bank. CEO J. Carroll shares its KPI while being wholly owned by the Ministry of Finance. How much of the existing loan book is still under some form of relief measure at this juncture and its mission to reach the underbanked community. I'm Roshan Kanisin. That's happening after the 1pm News Bulletin, so keep it here at BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app. 